0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you guys here today at Asbury University, and I want to add a couple things that my brothers left out when they gave that wonderful introduction to me. Uh, Yes, I am single. Thanks, Zeke, for reminding me of that right after Valentine's Day. Uh, A couple things here you need to know about me. I left a a lasting mark on this institution. I want you to know that. I am the first man in the history of Asbury University to be up on this stage in a onesie dancing to single ladies. (laughs) Thank you, Fall Variety Show. I I think I'm the, I'm the, the one of only two men who's ever done that. Here's the other thing I've done. I got to sit down with Dr. Gray, former president here drink Ale 8 with her in her office while filming a rap video. That didn't happen much, okay? I'm just going to say, like, I am one of a kind, but not in the ways you want to be one of a kind. And it's good to be back here today and get to, get to share a little bit about, from God's word about what he wants to teach us. I want to talk today about expectations. Expectations are interesting to me because in life, your expectations start to determine where you end up. If you have high expectations, even if you don't reach those expectations, you'll probably end up at a pretty high level. But if you have low expectations, you end up at a pretty low level. I go around speaking from time to time, and I was in Alabama speaking one time at a camp, and I was staying uh, there at the camp, and my host said, hey, I've got a room for you set up in the dorm, so when you go upstairs, when you're ready to go to bed, you walk all the way down past the bathroom, it's on your left, and I've left some blankets and stuff in there for you. So I stayed up late that night. I ended up going to bed. I walked down the hall, right past the bathroom. I turned to my left, and I walked into the room, and there was nothing in there except a mattress. A lot of you guys spent times at camps before. But, man, mattresses at camps, that's, that's a different world. Like, each mattress is a world unto itself, a world of stains and lice and other things, and there were no blankets, there was no protective sheet. It was just, it was just there. All I had was a, a towel and a T-shirt, And I had to figure out how to protect my body from what's on the mattress while at the same time staying warm at night. And so I had the tough thing. Do I lay on the towel and use the t-shirt as a blanket or do I do the opposite? This is the sort of stuff people who are here for scholarship weekend come to Asbury University because you get the critical thinking skills to deal with problems like this. And I decided that my health and well-being was more important than staying warm. So I put the towel down, I laid on the towel, and I put my t-shirt over me as a blanket. That was one of the lowest points of my life right there. And so I'm all night shivering alone on top of a stained, dirty mattress. And I I get up the next day, and I'm a little annoyed, but I'm, I'm chill. I'm a chill person. And so I don't say anything to my host until he comes to me. And he says, I walked into your room this morning. And I saw all the blankets and stuff I'd left for you, and you didn't use them. Why didn't you use the blankets? And I said, excuse me? <laughs> and I had this thing. I kind of wanted to punch him right then, you know, but, but I knew I probably shouldn't. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, all these blankets I left for you. And I realized that I had turned left after the bathroom, but I'd started on the wrong end of the hall. And so I'd gone into the room across from where I was supposed to be. And so all night I was shivering with a T-shirt over me, just freezing and, and on a dirty mattress. And I could have been laying on these 1,200 thread count sheets with a beautiful feather comforter over me, just living my best life. And instead, I settle for a t-shirt and a towel. A lot of times our expectations in life, we settle to the level of those expectations. And we do this in so many ways. We might say something like this, I'm, I'm not very smart, and so I'm not going to do well in school. I probably won't go very far in life, and we settle to that expectation. Maybe your expectation is a little different. Maybe your expectation is, I'm not worth it, I'm not worth someone loving me, and so you settle to the level of the expectation that I'm not worth loving, and you settle for someone that isn't going to respect you. We settle in life, and I want to challenge you today not to settle, to seek all that is possible in your life, to have expectations at the right level so that you experience what God wants you to experience. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7. And, and we're going to bounce around a little bit. So if, if you open them, if you've got a Bible or got a, got a tablet or got something, go ahead and open that. And we'll be in Romans chapter 7, picking it up in verse 14. The, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul wrote it, and it's all about what it means to experience the salvation of God in our lives. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, here's what he says. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I keep on doing. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire... To do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. That's what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. I don't know if you've heard those verses before, verses that the Apostle Paul wrote. And he says, I'm unspiritual. He says, I'm sold as a slave to sin. What I don't want to do, I keep on doing that. And a lot of us hear that, and we think, man, if even Paul called himself unspiritual, what am I? If Paul wrote most of the New Testament, how can I even finish this research paper? If Paul was sold as a slave to sin, man, what does that mean for me? And our spiritual expectation descends all the way down to the fact of, I'm stuck. Nothing's going to change. Spiritually, I'm going to keep doing what I don't want to do. I'm going to stay stuck in habits and cycles of sin. And I want to challenge you today. What if your spiritual expectations are wrong? What if your spiritual expectations are wrong? If you've read these verses, if you've heard these verses, and they resonate with you and you think, man, I am stuck, I am a slave to sin, that's where I'm going to be, that's where Paul was. What if your spiritual expectations are wrong? Here's, Here's where I'm going here. Context matters when you're reading the Bible what's going on in a passage matters when you're reading the Bible. And so if you talk to any of our Bible or theology professors here at Asbury, they're going to tell you that. For instance, let me show you. There's a couple verses here I want to show you that help you understand this. If you're a guy, and let's say you live in Trustees or Johnson here on campus, and you're trying to figure out your love life. In other words, you don't have a love life, and you're trying to get a love life, okay? And so you're trying to figure this out, like, hey, you know, there's a couple beautiful women I'd love to just talk with, trying to work up the courage. And you say, I'm going to go to God's Word for a little guidance here. I think that's a good thing to do. I I go to God's Word for guidance all the time. But but you're you're not really sure where to go, so you do the whole thing where you flip it open and you put your finger down. And you happen to turn to Hosea. You think that Hosea sounds like a good book. (laughs) Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, you say, that sounds like a good place to start. And it says, marry a prostitute. (laughs) You say, Lord, you have spoken. (laughs) I'm an obedient servant. Or you're studying, you're studying for a test, and you haven't put in the time, and you're like, Lord, I need you to bridge the gap between my inability to study and what's going to be on the test. And so you say, Lord, give me some guidance, and you go, and you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19, and it says this, money is the answer for everything. No, I thought it was Jesus, but no, it's money. And so you take a $50 bill, and you staple it to your test when you get done, and you slip it in to your professor. Money's the answer for everything. Now, of course, there's good reasons why these are written, and I'm not mocking the Bible at all. What I'm saying is sometimes we can't just pick up a verse and say, That's my theology, marry a prostitute. That's my theology, money's the answer for everything. We have to understand what's going on in a text. So here's the context of Romans chapter seven Paul is writing to people who are under the law, the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses, if you didn't grow up in church or grow up in Sunday school, the law of Moses, is, is the law that was given to Moses when he was on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, along with a lot of other laws. And you can find these laws in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, first five books of the Bible. And the Jewish people followed this law because God had given the, it to them, and it was good. But what they, what they failed to understand was that God gave them this law not to fix their spiritual problem, but to show them that they had a spiritual problem, show them God's will and that he wanted them to follow it, but that they couldn't follow it. And so when Paul writes this, I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I keep on doing evil. I'm a prisoner of the law of sin. He's writing it because he's addressing the question of, I'm a Jew, I'm following the law, but I keep being stuck of not being able to do what God asked me to do. And Paul is writing under this context. Here's the other context he's writing in. What comes right before Romans chapter 7? Trick question. Romans chapter 6. Yeah, this, it's one of those questions that's a little too easy, right? Romans chapter 6. And in Romans chapter 6, follow me for a minute here. Paul writes all about how we're freed from sin. This is what he says. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. He says, our old self was crucified, so we should no longer be slaves to sin. In other words, you're not still supposed to be a slave to sin. That's gone, done away with. You're free in Christ. He says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Now you have been set free from sin, you become slaves to God. And so Paul has just gotten done saying, hey, if you're a Christian, Jesus wants to set you free. And then he comes to Romans 7 and he says, I'm unspiritual, I'm a slave to sin. He's like, Paul, what's going on here? I imagine the guy who's his scribe writing it down is, is writing down Romans 6. He's like, oh, amen, we're freed from the power of sin. Oh, that sounds good, Paul. And then Romans 7, I'm, I'm a slave to sin. And he looks up at Paul and is wondering, wait, what, what's going on? I'm unspiritual, what, what's going on, Paul? And he looks at him and he's like, Paul, I know what's going on here. You're not you when you're hungry. Have a Snickers. Right? And pulls it out. This message brought to you by Snickers, right? And so it's like something's going on here. Because Paul in Romans 6 is like, praise the Lord, we're free. Romans 7, he's like, oh, I'm stuck. Paul, what's, what's going on here? And there's a good reason for what's going on. So I want to take you to that. So in Romans chapter 7, Paul says that, hey, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I, I can't do, I know what I'm supposed to do because I'm under the law, but I can't do it. He's not writing about a Christian, Now follow me on this. Romans chapter 7 is not about the Christian life. Romans chapter 7 is about a Jewish person who is trying to do what God said to do but can't do it. Romans chapter 7 is not supposed to be where you and I live if we're following Jesus. It's where we live if we know what's right but we're not actually letting Jesus come in and change us. Romans chapter 7 should not be your spiritual expectation it should be your spiritual starting point. Romans chapter 7 is not where God wants to take you in life. It's where he wants to begin working on you in life. And too many of us look at that and we say, that's where I'm at and that's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to challenge you today. Raise your spiritual expectation to where God wants it to be. Now, there's something confusing here. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I, right? Now, when I say I, who am I usually referring to? Me. When I say I. But he's doing something, and and back in this time, he's writing in the first century A.D., back in this time, really good writers and speakers would would use something called impersonation. When they're writing and speaking, they would sometimes impersonate someone else. Now, now we do this here. When we do it, it's usually roasting people, you know, at least for guys. Ladies, I don't know if you all roast each other. Guys, I mean, I just experienced it up here, right? Some of us have younger brothers, and they walk up on stage, and they say, hey, I'm engaged right now to get married, and you are single. (laughs) Now, what did I do just there? I I said, hey, I'm engaged to be married. I'm I'm not. Zeke is. And I impersonated Zeke, but you all understood what I meant. I wasn't talking about myself. I'm talking about Zeke. Paul's doing the same thing here. He's saying, look, Christians are free from sin. Jesus has given us the capacity to be free from sin. But then he switches gears, and he says, but I'm going to live inside this character for a minute. I'm going to live inside the person who's a slave to sin, who's stuck, and how it feels, and he puts you right there in the action. And then it all changes. In Romans chapter 8, here's where I get excited. I haven't been excited at this point. I'm excited now. What happens when Jesus enters the picture? Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says this, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For, for Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, everything you were living in in Romans 7, that's done away with with Jesus. He goes on to say, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he's also going to give life to you. In other words, you, you may be sensing this, I'm living and I'm stuck in sin right now, but the Holy Spirit wants to free you from that, so it sets you free. Romans chapter 8, verse 13, if you live according to the sinful nature, nature you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. God put me on this stage today to say this to somebody here who needs to hear it. Don't settle spiritually. Seek everything God has for you. Don't settle and say, oh, I'm just gonna gonna settle down to this this low level. Seek everything God has for you. And the everything God has for you is freedom. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom from shame. It's freedom from guilt. Jesus wants to give you freedom. But but you're gonna be here today and you're gonna say, okay, I'm following Jesus, but why do I feel like what Paul says here, I don't understand what I do, what I don't want to do, I do, and, and, and what I don't want to do, I do, what I do, I don't want to do, and you get stuck in these do-do-do-do-do-do-do's, and that feels like your life. I'm just stuck here singing a little doo op song, right? do 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 and that's you, that's your life. You're like, I want to do it, I can't do it, I, I'm i stuck. And a lot of us are here, let me be honest. I, I'm a, a pastor of, of a lot of guys and ladies in their late teens and 20s. And, and this is where a lot of people find themselves. And, and my guess is a lot of us here today find ourselves in this spot. We're stuck. We're stuck in habits. We're stuck in, in, in cycles of addiction. We're stuck with, with things we feel and want to do. And we're stuck in this place. And the question is why? If Jesus brings freedom, why am I stuck here? And the answer is found right here in what we just read. In Romans chapter 7, the law is mentioned 31 times. The law, the law, the law, the law, the law. In Romans chapter 8, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 21 times. Now think about that for a second. Are you living your life in the Spirit or in the law? Well, Here's what it looks like for us. We're not, most of us are Jewish. But living your life under the law is saying, I know what God's going to do, so I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps and just do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to try really hard. Living life in the Spirit is saying, Jesus, I can't do it. I'm stuck. I need you to come in. It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if you invited Jesus over to your house. Now, where would you meet Jesus? I don't know. He'd probably be one of the weirdos on the, on the street corner preaching. And you see him, and you're not really interested in the preaching, but suddenly he turns your one Chick-fil-A sandwich into 5,000. And you're like, Jesus, I can live with this. And so you invite Jesus over to your house to live, and, and you are so generous with him, you give him a room to stay in. His whole room rent-free, because every Tuesday you think he's going to turn my Chick-fil-A sandwiches and multiply them. So you give him a rent-free room. And he's living there. And you go in and you spend time with Jesus every day. You enjoy it. He's funny. He's wise. He gives you guidance. He encourages you. And you're spending time there with Jesus. And then life gets a little busy. Stuff's going on. you got school to do, and you're trying to take care of that relationship in your life. You start spending less time with Jesus. And before too long, you kind of forget he's there. And then one day you walk into Jesus' room and, and you see Jesus there. And you're like, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? Because he's packing up his suitcase right now. You're like, Jesus, no, don't. Don't leave. And Jesus looks back at you and he says, if I'm going to stay, I don't just want a room in your house. I want you to sign the deed of this house over to me. I want you to give me the whole house. And you think, oh, Jesus, that's a lot. I mean, the Chick-fil-A sandwich thing was cool, but, but this? And he starts leaving. He says, I want the whole house. I'm not here just to have a room. I want the whole house. And so you, you sigh and you grab the deed out and you sign it over and you hand it to him. And then Jesus says, now let's go look at my house. And you think, oh and he goes around, and he walks into one room, and he says, man, you, you did not decorate this very well at all. And you look up, and you realize, I didn't. No. And so Jesus starts remodeling, renovating that room, and he keeps doing this with, with room after room, and eventually he comes to this closet. This is the closet where you keep all your junk. Everybody's got one of these in your house. You've got a junk closet. And he comes up to that, and you've got a padlock on it. And Jesus tries to get into that room, or that closet, and, and he says, hey, where's the key? And you say, Jesus, I gave you the whole house. I'm not about to give you a key to the closet. This is, can I have something left to myself, Jesus? Just something. And Jesus says, if you want me to own this house, I need to own this house. So you go and get your key. And you go and unlock that closet and pull out all of the stuff. All the things you didn't want Jesus to ever see. All the stuff you couldn't deal with yourself and you just shoved in the closet. And you open it up for Jesus to deal with. And then he starts going through the house and opening up every single closet of all the stuff you have pushed away. A lot of us are stuck We're stuck right now in our lives spiritually because we have given a lot to Jesus. We've committed our lives to him. We're doing our best to follow him, but we still have areas in our life. We have closets we've locked off from Jesus working in. And you will stay at a low spiritual level. You will settle into a place where you are stuck spiritually until you let Jesus have access to the whole house, until you open it all up. So you may be here today and you may think, I want to honor and I want to love my boyfriend or girlfriend, so why am I stuck with this habit of porn? I want to be a person of truth. So why do I keep on finding myself when, when, I, when I feel threatened, I start lying and start messing with the truth? I want to love other people selflessly. I want to be someone who just gives and gives and gives and loves other people. So why do I always end up selfish and self-focused? I want to be a person of integrity. So why do I always revert back to cheating? I want to be someone who loves others, even the people I really strongly disagree with politically So why do I lash out at them every time they say something I disagree with? Why do I do what I don't want to do? Why can't I do the things I want to do? Only when Jesus has access to every part of your life can you really, truly, completely be transformed. Now, Jesus can do a lot of good in your life before you give him everything, but it's not until you give Jesus every part of your life, that he can really come in and transform even the deepest, darkest parts of you. And let me tell you what scripture teaches, and we see it right here in Romans chapter 8. Jesus brings freedom from guilt. He brings freedom from shame. He brings freedom from the power of sin. And I know there's a lot of us here today, and you feel the guilt, you feel the shame, you feel the power of sin in your life. You may have already prayed a sinner's prayer, but, but there's so much more to the Christian life than that. I was right here in this, this exact room. I was sitting up in section C. All my section C people, give me a little whoop-whoop. Yeah, I love you guys up there. You guys are right here with me. <laughs> I was in section C, row D, seat 9. That's weird to remember your chapel seat because I was a freshman, first semester freshman. And I was sitting in that seat when there's a preacher up here, and he began to talk about a uh, different passage And I'm talking about today, but he talked about letting Jesus have everything. And I was sitting up there, and I thought, man, I've given Jesus everything. I was already I was 18 years old planning on planting a church. I was all in, man. I was all in for Jesus. What else do I have to give? I put it all out there. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like somebody just dropped some bricks, and they swung over and hit me in the gut. Because I realized as he was speaking that the the vision, the dream God had given me of planting a church, I had turned it into an idol. Here's what I'd done. I knew God wanted me to plant a church, at least I felt pretty sure at the time. But you know, like does God want me to plant a small church? No. Like I'm Elijah, flippin' Friedemann, freshman at Asbury, flippin' University. Like I'm going places. I'm doing big things. I got invited to scholarship weekend. Like how can you stop this train from moving? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to plant a church. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be awesome, and it's it's gonna keep growing. Like we might start off small, like about 500 or so, you know. But like, give me a year, give me two years, and man, you can't hold the people back from this kind of preaching, from this charisma. You know what I'm saying? And so I knew that that I, I was gonna have a big church. And so I was up there, you know, in my seat up there, CD9 right there. I don't know who's sitting there, but I was right in your seat, and I was I was thinking these thoughts. I'm gonna plant this kind of church. Praise the Lord, because He has called me, and I am set apart. And so I was ready to do that. And then I realized in that moment, what I had done is I had built my dream, or built God's dream into my dream. I said, God, you're calling me, that's good, but let me tell you how good it's going to be, how good I'm going to make it. And what I had done is I'd taken his dream, I'd perverted it, and I'd turned it into an idol in my life. And I had to, in that moment, give it up. I'm talking like the the Holy Spirit hit me in that moment, and I was overcome. Overcome. And I was weeping because in that moment, I not only signed the deed of my life over to Jesus, but I opened up a closet that I'd been holding back from him. A lot of us here today have closets in our lives. Areas where we're saying, Jesus, we're not going to let you work. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. Come come into my life, but we're not going to let you work in this area. I'm not going to let you come in and mess with my porn habit. Like that's something that's just too too deeply ingrained in me. I'm not going to let you come in and deal with my selfishness. That's just who I am, God. I'm not going to let you deal with my future. I'm scared I might not marry the hottest person at Asbury. I, I got I to keep, keep my future to myself. I'm not going to let you tell me what to do, because you're probably going to call me to be a pastor. You're going to call me to be a social worker or a teacher. Oh, that'd be terrible. I'd have to go spend time with kids every day. And you say, God, I'm not going to let you deal with that, and you keep your closet locked up. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to experience the freedom the Holy Spirit brings until you open up your life to the Holy Spirit. And you cannot change yourself. And that's the whole point. You can't change yourself. So quit trying to keep that closet to yourself. Open it up to what Jesus wants to do. And I believe that right now Jesus brought you here not because you had to attend chapel today, not because you were here for scholarship weekend. I believe Jesus brought you here today because for so many of us, we need to open up that closet in our life. And you say, Jesus, I'm done trying to figure this out. I'm done trying to figure it out. I want you to come in. I want you to come in. I want you to raise my spiritual expectations, and I want you to give me the power to reach your expectations for my life. Too many of us are here, and we are settling. And all it's going to take to move you from settling to living the life God wants you to live is just opening up the closet in your life to Jesus. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. A lot of us are living in those mortal bodies right now. A lot of us are living lives that are controlled by the power of sin. And right now, God has brought you here to be freed from it, to be set free, to have a life that, that is not perfect, but a life full of God's love, full of his freedom. And I don't want us to leave this place today without giving God an opportunity to speak to us and speak into our hearts.